Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast after a much-needed 3-0 win at Anfield against the dangerous Brentford side who caused us a fair few problems. Darwin dazzled, Mo scored twice and Jot of the Slot had also found the net with a cracker to send the Reds into the international break in second spot, just one point behind the PGMOL's Manchester City. I'm Dave Usher, editor at liverpoolway.co.uk and I'm joined for this one by Paul Natton and John Gallagher. All right, Paul, uh, we'll start with you because I sat next to John, so I know exactly what John thinks about the game, but um, I'd just be interested to hear your take on it, so take it away. Um, Yeah, really encouraging, I think. I mean, I think um, I I just... I think we were all a bit disheartened after the last two performances and and, and results, weren't we? Yeah. Luton Luton was not great and Toulouse was, in in some ways maybe worse you know there's not so much with all the changes in the team but I just think it today cemented a few things in my mind really first one I mean great 3-0 great we were saying on the walk up how no matter what sort of form Brentford are in they always feel like one of those teams that could give us a game yeah but equally I think I said to you Dave I was feeling a little bit a little bit nervy but reassured by the Anfield factor and 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 so it proved really I mean you know it was it, it was pretty comfortable really uh, bar bar the one situation where Allison made the uh, made the save from uh, and Buemo. Uh, um but uh yeah so I, I felt I felt a little bit heartened to see a better performance we'll get his what was his 200th goal 15 home games on the bounce that he scored in so that's all really really nice um and the clean sheets, brilliant. And then I suppose the other thing as well is is just that I think and I, there's two ways of looking at this really. You know, if the, if the result doesn't go the way you want, um, you might look at an element of disjointedness amongst the, amongst the team in terms of how we set up and play, and worry about it. But in actual fact, I've come away the flip side really. I was saying to the lads sitting around me today watching the game, it feels like in the attacking side of things. The patterns of play are not really that well established or embedded. There's moments where you see things that look like a clear pattern of play. I don't. I don't just mean the way we move the ball around. When you know the, where, the situations where they work it quickly to get to play somebody in, um, particularly when the team's high up the pitch. I think when we're playing on the break, um, there's more things that we, we we know to look out for. You know, some, the diagonal balls are still on. The ball over the top to Darwin's still on, but more when we're sort of playing it round. Um, but the fact that we can, I can sort of have those reservations, um, which I think are absolutely fine given where we are in the development of this team. But I can have them after we're coming away from a, you know, a pretty comfortable really three 0 win. It's pretty heartening. Um, I feel now I want to say Virgil is absolutely back. Yeah. Um, thought he was sensational today. Um, Mo just can't stop scoring. Jota on the quiet has gone from a player that I was really worried about him at the end of last season in terms of his fitness and his reliability to being a guy who on the quiet is like very reliable in terms of his goals. Um, so yeah, enjoyed it really. I thought the first half was a little bit disjointed at times, but I thought the second half, I'd go as far as to say we were pretty comfortable. Um, first half, there were moments where the tempo was and in fact, for me, things really clicked when um, do you remember Joel got he got a he got a yellow card, didn't he? For a, yeah. For, I, I thought it was harsh. I wasn't even convinced. Wasn't well, I've not seen him again. 
I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't convinced it was a foul, but he got booked for it. And there was rightly some indignation from the crowd, which, which, which just raised the temperature in the stadium a little bit. And then for yeah. the next five minutes, we really went for it as a team. The tempo came up as well. And, then we, and we got the first goal out of that. I said um, that to John. I said, we've got Tierney to thank for this. Because it, yeah. it just got everyone yeah. riled up and, and the it tempo did, lifted. It? Yeah. it did. So, uh, so I think, that, you know, I've still got some... Re- reservations is too strong a word, really, because I'm mindful of the fact that you know when I see things that aren't perfect, there's a re- we know why we're not perfect because it's still a very new team and they don't know each other's games properly. I think I think in some ways Darwin today is an absolute perfect example. Some of the things, some of the runs he makes, some of the touches are absolutely breathtaking at times. You watch some of the stuff that he does and you think you are fantastic, you are some player, and then he has other moments he didn't. Well, I could see. I mean, I could see a huge amount about some of the uh, the goal, the disallowed goals at the other end in the first half. But I didn't see him make any any um, you know horrendous errors as such. But there's times where you just think, oh, your run wasn't quite right there, or you made you, you went a little bit too early, or you bent your run the wrong way, or you didn't quite um, you you weren't quite on the same wavelength as as, as that player. Um, but I think that that's okay. That's okay, and I, I just think that exemplifies. How I think the team is at the moment. Um, so you know, twenty what twenty seven points a point behind City um, at this stage. I, I don't think any of us have got any right to expect any better than that. I suppose one of the things I've told myself in the last week, really, and more so before today, actually, was to just temper expectations a little bit because, I mean, I, I'm so we've all been completely spoiled by the explosive attacking football we played under Klopp. Over you know many many years of his time here, pretty much from the outset, and I think what I found frustrating at times this season, I think some of this is tied up with the kick of times and the two o'clocks and the and the twelve thirties and you know the Thursday Sunday, the tempo hasn't quite been there a lot of the time in games, and that sense of like edge of your seat excitement isn't there, but I think it'll come. There is moments, there's always moments when you get that. I think in games. But you know that sense we had for a long time when we, you know we're going to Anfield, where you just felt excited from the minute you walk yeah. in the ground, um, and I've not really had that. But I, I just think I need to calm down on that a little bit. I, I think I do think it'll come. I but think things are building. Thing is, though, with that, um, Paul, don't don't you feel like when we were at our best, it wasn't like that in the first half of the season. It was like it was like it is now, you know. And then yeah, second half of the season point. was when we really get into point. our groove and like the high tempo would be there. Because I don't think it's sustainable to be able to to do that over like a full season. And when we were at our best, that's how it tended to be. And then we'd come on really strong second half of the season. So I'm, I agree with you. Like you know, there's sometimes the tempo is like so fucking flat. Uh, I'm just hoping that that's part of we're just building up to the second half of the season yeah, plus that's, that's what you good... said about new team and bedding in new players um, to be where we are despite like the, the obvious I don't necessarily want to say flaws but it's not it's not right it's not like no, fully functioning but it's good enough I mean I think yeah that's, that's a good point that you made there about you know second half of the seasons I mean I think the other thing that bothers me a little I mean this is, this is bothers is too strong a word I've said it and immediately changed my mind it doesn't bother me but something I've noticed is I just think Anfield in general feels flat I think last season affected everybody and it doesn't and the kickoff times as I said are part of it Yeah. but then I, I did I did laugh today it felt like the cop was sort of beginning to get its mojo back a little bit with the 
the fuck off Tierney, fuck off Tierney after uh, after there's yeah. so many decisions got against us and then, and then we love you Tierney, we do after we got one. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was I thought that was that was funny. It's it's a long time since I've heard much to make me chuckle in the car. True. Um so uh yeah, it, it just yeah, it just feels like I think I think we're in a really good place. Um we're not in the best place we could be and I think we've got room to We've got room to kick on, but we're in a really good place, and I think um, t- today was today was a great result and a, de- a really good performance, I think, as well. Yeah, John, what have you got to add to that? Did you think it was as comfortable as Paul? I didn't know, and we had this conversation mm. in the grounds. I mean, it was comfortable in terms of the scoreline, um, but in terms of the game itself, you know, it was one nil, and you're thinking, you know, Brentford had a little bit of pressure before we got the second goal. Um, you know, forced a few corners, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, and they always had that threat about them. Uh, you know, I thought they played well in the game. You know, Brentford, I think, in terms yeah. of shots at goal, um, you know, probably had as many as I can remember a team having at Anfield. So actual shots or decent headers, cha- or decent chances, decent like chances. Um, I don't know what the old XG thing was and all that. I'm not really into all that. Unlike some people, we <laughs> remain nameless, shall we say? But um, <laughs> some people swear by it. I just like it's all about the eye test for me, kind of thing. I try not to take much notice of that type of stuff. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, in terms of the scoreline, I mean, it's like teams. A couple of teams have come to Anfield this season, and they've had a go, and they've been well in the game. But we've played well to beat them as well. Like West Ham was a game earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, you know, West Ham came. They had a go. It wasn't like, you know, they were defending and you know hitting us on the break. You know, they, they came on the front foot and that. Um, I, I thought Brentford had that bit about them today. So, um, you, you know, you can't quibble with the three 0 win. You know, where we are on the table, as Paul said, you know, we've got no right to expect any more. We could have even been top only for the Spurs fiasco, yeah. you know, a couple of months or so back, and then. There's absolutely nothing to quibble about there, so you know, we're just ticking along nicely. Um, you know, it's a point that uh, you know, it's just touched on there about you know, the second half of the season. You know, the new players are bedding even more, become more comfortable. Hopefully, we'll get McAllister um, in his proper position if we signed the lad from Fluminense in January. Um, Andre, um, well, we need to talk about that later because there's been talk about that this week that it, it might not be happening. So we'll definitely get on to that later. Yeah, I mean, I thought Enzo come in today, actually, his first start at Anfield. And I thought he was neat and tidy. You know, he, he is what he is. I think he just kept it ticking over. He got caught in the ball once or twice, uh, could have put us in trouble. But overall, it was a nice, nice, tidy performance from him, I thought. Um, and as Paul touched on, Verge was absolutely imperious. He, you know, just a the ground he covers you, you know, just everything just looks back to his, yeah. you know, his old self kind of thing, not Definitely, breaking yeah. sweat. The pace is there actually, as well. That, when, the he, pace when he comes across against yeah. them, Bermo. Yeah, just coming across, getting, mm. you, you know, just ushering them out of play and stuff. And he played well, that lad in Bermo, I thought. Yeah, you know, it's my he's, boy, he's really good. good player. And Wisser as well, I thought he played well as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. but they are like a Andy side, Brentford, you know, you've got a bit about them, so. I mean, ultimately, what's won the game is the, the forward quality of the, the, the forward lines. You know, Jota with a, a great strike, and as I said to you on the ground, Dave, he's, he's been sneakily, uh, and Paul's just touched on sneakily good in terms of his goal output. I mean, you're not going to get, like, all silky performances or whatever. He's not that type of player, but he's an absolute threat. I mean, even when he's quiet in games, you, you know, you just you come up with a goal out of nowhere, so it's good to have that in your armour, I suppose, and... 
yeah, I mean, you can't quibble where we are going into the international break. Thankfully, the last one until, you know, the spring. Fed up with mm. them, to be honest with you. But, oh, um, yeah, you know, it's a nice position to be in. See, I feel th th the same way about that. I don't feel it was that comfortable, but I do feel we played really well. I think it's just credit to Brentford that, like, we've had to play really well. Um, I was saying to you during the game, John, like, after about, 15 minutes I said this feels like one of those games where we're going to have all of the ball and they're going to have the best chances and it kind of went that way like I thought we were playing well and we looked threatening but before we scored they had two absolutely great chances and didn't take either of them um, second one's a brilliant save by Allison, but you know they yeah, just ran right through the middle um, really good ball from them and a, and a good run but yeah you don't and Bermo shouldn't be running clear like that with I think it was Trent who was chasing him back and all Trent can do is make sure he doesn't foul him you know he's, he's goal side of him and you can see Trent desperately trying to make sure don't touch him and he almost did just by trying to get out the way you know he's, he's put his hands up and he stopped his, his feet because he's not wanting to clip his heels and that's one of those where sometimes like you can totally accidentally clip them and it's automatic red card so he's done well to not touch him and then Allison's made like a you know typical brilliant Allison save from a 1v1 but before that they had a chance as well um I think Wissa missed his header and then it was it was the centre-back Pinnock and he missed his kick like from about seven yards out he, he kicked it wide so they had those two chances but we were looking good it's not like they were like putting loads of pressure on us we were on top we were playing well but the threat is just always there from them because they're a good team like they had a bad spell here in this earlier in the season they got beat by everton and they look shit but they come through that and like they'd won the last three games going into that so i always felt today was going to be like a tricky game for us and i do think it was a tricky game but i just think we we played everybody played well today i don't think there was any like poor performances and some players were really good and we needed to be similar to the West Ham game where I was really impressed with how West Ham played and I was like, we've had to play really well to, to win that game. And I feel like that again today it was, it was a good performance. The other thing to consider as well, we're kind of down to the bare bones. I don't necessarily mean like with, with the starting eleven, although you know, there's players there today who wouldn't normally be in the team or in the position that they're playing in. But you look at the bench today and apart from like... Harvey and and um, and Diaz, you say Quan said he's, he's like a, he's a first team player now as well I suppose, but he's still a kid. Uh, you know the bench is full of kids. Uh, Klopp touched on that afterwards as well. He said you know he knew that most of the players on the pitch were going to have to play. They're going to have to put in a long shift today. And he also this is something I hadn't even considered, but because we were saying where we John like we thought that Elliot and Diaz would have come on earlier than they did. And Klopp like said why that wasn't the case, and it was to do with set pieces. He just said like you know they're not two of our best players for defending set pieces, so we we needed to keep like the eleven players on the pitch who started the game because the the wary about you know the threat that Brentford posed. And with when set pieces, you tend to think corners and free kicks around the box but with them it's throw-ins as well because they've got the long throw specialist, so they'll load the box anytime like they're they're in your half. So you have got to be aware of that. And I thought we defended set pieces like for the most part today. I thought we were really good. We dealt they must with have had what, about 
Ten corners. Well, Klopp like said like the, the he said they had like six corners in a really short period of time, and he said, you know, I'm not sure that's ever happened with, before where they've had six corners and haven't scored from one of them. Um, but we did defend them really well. But yeah, it's the starting lineup. You like you look at that today, and we were saying before the game, like you know, that some teams in in the Premier League, it, it's it's getting like a lot of publicity about how many injuries they've got. So like people are talking about Tottenham, for example, and Newcastle early in the season, and even even now to some extent United as well. Loads of injuries. I didn't feel like we were in that situation. And then I looked at the bench today, and I'm like, how's that happened? How, how have we how have we been reduced to? You know, we've got like a 16 year old on a the bench there you know you've got like a couple of 17 year olds I'm like how's, how's this happened and then you, you start to work it out and i think we had like eight players out today so we had gomez um did they say what was what was up with gomez why he didn't play minor gomez and uh Canate, minor injuries but no more than that okay so uh, presumably same we'll, was said about we'll birch as well Canate out the french squad then hopefully because um, so. Klopp's already pissed off with Deschamps overplaying him in, in these internationals, so um, maybe it's a case of like, don't pick him today so we can pull him off the French squad. Although I think that's, I don't think that's a risk that we'd take given the opposition today. You know, you really want like your, your big physical players available. Um, so yeah, you've got Gomez, Canate, Robbo, uh, McAllister suspended, Curtis injured, Gravenberch injured. Tiago, uh, Bajetic, that's eight. Have I missed anyone? So it's eight, eight so. like senior squad players out, which is why the bench was the way it was. But you know, we still had like a strong enough first eleven. We just didn't have a great deal to, to change it from the bench. And then I thought Endo was what I'd expect him to be. Um, this is what I thought we'd be getting really you know he'll come in and he'll be alright he'll do a decent job he's not He's not going to blow the doors off but steady enough and I thought yeah I thought he did a couple of times he, he did think he had more time than he had um, Thomas Frank said afterwards that he should have been given a red card I'm not having that for a second no, that's shite that's I've, absolute shite uh, I've, I've seen the replay of it and yeah. it, they both went in exactly the same their lad's gone in with, with like with with a foot up. Endo's gone in with his foot up to play the ball. Like it's not off the ground, but like studs are showing on both sides. They've both played the ball at the same time. Um, there's nothing in that at all. I think they're they both made pulled, a meal they both pulled the well. legs back a little bit as well. Neither one's tried to leave the studs on. Yeah, there's on not the there's not excessive force at all. And he's he made a meal of it. He was trying to get him sent off because he, he didn't win the tackle. So. It's one of those where, like, whoever wins the tackle, the other one's just going to roll about on the floor when when they both dive in like that. It's, it's just the way it always is. Um, but no, that's never a red card. But it was a poor touch that led him to that challenge. He'd like he'd overran the ball, and that forced him to dive in like that because he'd, you know, he'd lost control of the ball. So, um, wasn't a flawless performance from him, but he was fine. He he did all right. I thought Costas was much improved. Grew into the game, a little bit shaky at the start. They had a couple of attacks down his side, which not necessarily down to like mistakes by Costas, but he just looked a bit weak, and you thought, oh, this might be a problem again. But he he grew into the game, and I thought by the end, you know, he looked like he'd got some of his confidence back. I just watched an interview with him on LFC TV as well, and he wears his heart on his sleeve, Costas. It's hard to to, to not like him, and he was saying like. Um, 
how pleased he is to get this game under his belt. He needed it because he's been struggling. Um, and he said, like, this has never happened to him before, and he's never really had, like, a spell like he's had recently. And he doesn't know why it is, but hopefully, like, you know, he needed this game, and hopefully, like, um, he's out of it now, and, and he'll start to play well again. So, yeah, he needed that game today, and I'm, I'm pleased for him. I still wouldn't be starting him at Man City if Joe Gomez is fit, but if Gomez isn't fit, we've got no choice, have we? He'll have to play. I mean... What did you think about Costas today, Paul? I think you pretty much covered it, mate. I mean, I think um, he's been alarming, really, recently. Um, and, yeah, I didn't really see... They did kind of get at him a little bit, but um, in the first half particularly, but I didn't see anything there to particularly concern me. And I thought second half, he was coming down, he was coming right down uh, down my side, I'm sort of just to the right of the, about halfway up to the right of the cop goal. So you get a really clear view of him coming forward, and I thought he was, he looked much better coming forward, and obviously um, set up Salah's second goal. So um, yeah, I thought. Does I thought he get he an assist game. for Jota as well? Did he, he played the pass to Jota, didn't he? So he'll get an assist for that, even though it's. Did like, he? I think so. Yeah, 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 he did. You're right, he did. Yeah, but he see did. that that's. What I'm saying about assists being like a, a bullshit start. Like you get an assist for just playing a little ball to Jotter who then like runs across the box and lashes one in from twenty yards. All right, Stu, don't start on your uh... <laughs> Well it is, you're like going on about assists. I'm like, no, I'm just I'm not going unless on about it's assists. Darwin. Like all I'm saying is Darwin's all I'm saying is, we're not, is an assist. We're not just gonna suddenly one. dismiss the people who set up goals for other people no, just because it's not convenient to some statistician. Just don't read too much into it, that's all I'm saying. I don't particularly, but uh, I, I'm not I'm not having I'm not having Trent and Robbo's records knock just because uh, the stats say the stats say it's not an important. The stat people say it's not an important stat. I'd still look at how many of those are corner kicks. Well, you feel like you've always had you, you've, you've always a bit little bit with that. You've always had your nerdy side, Dave. No, I just think like you you can pad your stats if you take like Ward Prowse for example. Like I just heard on the radio before about how many assists he's got this season, and I like him. I think he's a really good player. But I'm like, well, how many of them are corners? You know, and should they really be classed as like, if you're judging a midfield player on assist, and it's most of them are corners. But I mean, well, I would say to that, look how many times you see players put a corner nowhere. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying it's worthless or anything. I'm just saying don't read too much into it. But speaking of assists, let's talk about Darwin's assist because that was quality. It was. It was really good. That that ball, Trent Trent fizzed it into him, didn't he? And uh, I thought his his touch and turn was superb. And he already knew where Mo was, didn't he? Yeah. So there was no sort of there was no pause. It was almost like one fluid movement, really, to take the ball, turn, and then play Mo in. Um, Perfect weight as well. Yeah, lovely, lovely. There's there's I mean, right from that very first charity shield appearance when they first played together, there's been an mm. understanding between those two. And I think that hasn't wavered. That's the one thing that's been consistent, I think, um, in Darwin's Liverpool career so far. He's absolutely on the same wavelength as Mo. Um, and and Mo's, I thought Mo's finish was great, really classy and composed. It was t- typical Salah, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was lovely. Like I haven't seen the replay back of Darwin's first uh, disallowed goal. I've seen the still photo. But it's a fraction offside. It's another one of those, like toenail decisions um but i've not seen like an actual replay of the finish so i, I can't I can't comment on that yet but i've seen the second one but there was a video like uh, a fan in the stands had, had recorded it 
because um, I was just scanning through Twitter before and like all the videos are all like disabled and that so I couldn't find any footage except for this one I didn't know at the time like because where me and John are sitting we, we couldn't really see much you're just seeing like keepers made a great save from uh, Virgil's header a ball goes up it gets nodded towards goal and then the next thing it's in the back of the net and like we didn't know what had happened I've seen the replay of it since and it was a Darwin overhead kick <laughs> and it was like really great technique um, and it, it, he's really unfortunate with the offside because he runs in following in Virgil's header which is the right thing to do he's following that in and then he's he's on his way back as the ball loops up and it gets nodded back. So by the time he he's, he he reaches the ball and does his overhead kick, he's onside. But he'd come from like a an offside position, which is why it didn't count. But if anybody ever deserved a goal during a game, it was Darwin today because that first half, fucking hell, he was electric. It's like everything he did was just like had you just on the edge of your seat. It was just brilliant. Second half was quieter. He wasn't involved as much. But that you know that kind half, of that point yeah. about Darwin in the first half. That's kind of my point about. I feel like we're not fully, we're not quite fully tuned in yet because I still think there's players who don't read his runs quite right, um, and there's times there's, there's times where he's just not a hundred percent which way he's going to go. I mean, there was one that frustrated me, and despite what I said about him and him and Mo having a great a great understanding, the one, one when Trent played the the, the the two of them. I think so, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Mo had to lay it off to him, and he and he started to go right. He started. Darwin started to run right when he should have gone direct, and then he changed his he changed his run. And by that time, he just lost a little advantage. And you just think it's it's just not quite at a hundred percent. It's not. But we're talking about fine tuning, really. We're not talking about major major issues. It's all about just fine tuning to get to, you know, to get the uh, to get the machine in peak condition. Uh, yeah, it's coming. It feels like it's coming. It just feels like. It just feels like there's certain little runs, certain little patterns of play that are not a hundred percent there, but when they are, it's one of them where you know you just think you want it to be automatic, where players, you know, the centre half sometimes both sides, there's times where you just think if they just looked up a little bit quicker, expecting a Darwin run, we could we could be playing them in behind. The ball over the top is on more often than we're playing it sometimes, mm. and they're just not all quite on the same wavelength yet. But I, did, I the, do you know what's really? There was times in the second half because obviously I'm at the cop end, so I got a better, better glimpse of it second half than I did in the first. Is is that that like burst of pace? It does remind me more and more of Torres. You know the way Torres could just go. Yeah. You know he's so it's so powerful and fast, really long legs, tall. It, it, I don't think we've had anybody since Torres that make, makes those makes those kind of really explosive runs. Um, and dart in behind, tries to get in behind players with those runs and, and you know diagonal runs to to pick up the pass. And I, I I still keep thinking about Brownie's point when we were uh, when we first signed McAllister on the pod in the summer when he was talking about McAllister picking those runs out. And it's just such a shame that he's not really played there at all to be able to develop that because I, yeah. I think that definitely could be a source a source of goals for us because I think he's someone who would be tuned into that all the time and could exploit. That propensity of Darwin to just burst in behind. Um, You've seen that in the game. In was it the last home shot. game, McAllister? Little dink pass for Darwin. Was it the last it was home the West game? game? Wasn't it? I think. Was it West Ham? Was yeah. it? Yeah. So it yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, was it West Ham? Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's obviously that. You know, there was McAllister played further forward in that game. Second half, it felt like he, he pushed up a, a little bit and. He was a bit closer to Darwin, and obviously that's where that goal came from. I remember, so yeah, that that's a good point there. John, like I know you tend to judge strikers 
quite harshly because you'd always like compare them to me, and it's <laughs> not not too many match up. Um, but we have asked you before what you thought of Darwin, and you were a bit on the fence. Uh, what are you thinking now? I'm cautiously excited, shall we say. Um, I think as the season goes on, as as Paul said about the fine tuning of certain things, you, you know, there's no absolutely no reason with the. It's just the, the amount of shots he has as well. I mean, you know, even in the first half there, I mean, he's just one of those instinctive players, isn't he? Where, you, you know, you ping one in from like 25 yards at the drop of a hat kind of thing. You know, that shot he had in the first half, it was, absolutely, you know, power know. behind that. It was like was ridiculous. So that, like. <laughs> um, but that's just what he's got in his armour. So, I mean, but was it was that the last game where he, he got a tap in? I like them type of goals as well. So he's, he's obviously... Uh, was he, it Forrest, was it? Did he get a tap in? No, he misses tappings. When did he score a tap in? Was it the Forrest game? Oh, yeah, he, he did. Yeah. 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 yeah, but I didn't I didn't say it on the pod, but like he almost missed that one. <laughs> when you watch <laughs> it back, he so nearly missed it. Like yeah. He kind of hit it back where it came from and quite high, and it's just gone in the top corner, when really it's, you just hit that straight ahead of you. It's an open goal. But, um, yeah, he's like... I. I just think he's fucking phenomenal. He's just getting better all the time. The only like, what would he be like in City's team? I wonder. You know, Haaland's just like a like methodical. He's a much better footballer than than Haaland, but yeah, Haaland's just the he's finisher. just he's got just... Haaland's just got that like he's a machine, just, just that assassin. Yeah. Like you know, he's just like just goals, isn't he? He's not like uh, you know, if you swap those two players, what would they be like in each other's teams? Do you think? Um, you know, would Darwin get the goals that? Uh, Harlan gets for City, for instance. Harlan would be on our bench because he doesn't do enough off the ball. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm not even yeah. taking the piss either, and that's not like I'm not criticising Harlan. I'm just yeah. saying the 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 passport into our team and that. Well, that's not. I mean, maybe he can do that. It's just not what he's asked to do at City. But even after the game today in his press conference, like Klopp was talking about, like um, the defending. And he said, if you're going to talk about the defending, the first thing you need to talk about is, is Darwin. He said, because like that's he was stopping them playing long balls. He said, even he's chasing, he said, and even though he's not going to get the ball, and, and he knows he's not, he's chasing them to stop them being able to play it long, to make that, them play. That was very noticeable. Second yeah, half. so the goalkeeper's playing it sideways to the defenders because he can't go long because Darwin's blocking the long clearance and he's having to play it sideways. So that was obviously what he was told to do. And... Klopp's wanted to point that out, probably, so so Darwin knows, oh yeah, he's pleased with me because of the defensive side, not just what I'm doing with the ball. So like, um, yeah, I just thought that was a great performance and he thoroughly deserved the goal and it's, I wouldn't say I feel cheated that he didn't get one, but I, I do feel like really disappointed that he's he's not got the goal that his, his efforts deserve today. Well, he got an assist, but then you don't count those, do you? So No, I said I, I count I, Darwin assists. I oh, already, right, okay, I already yeah. said that. But that's a proper assist, though, isn't yeah, it? I mean, it's a, bit a of, proper assist, it is. There's an imagination going into that, as you say. If he costs us and you're passing it for three yards to Jota to he'll kill in the far corner, he can't class that as, as an assist. But Darwin's like had the, like the uh, sort of speed of thought. Killer to, pass. Kill up, you know, to get Mo in for it. A killer pass, yeah, yeah. Costas' like, first one's a good assist, by the way. You know, I'm not taking anything away from that. Just the second one's a, a bullshit one, really, isn't it? But uh, you know, the um, 
like Mo's second goal, like I didn't celebrate it because I thought it might have gone out. There's going to be a VAR check. No point really celebrating. And Mo didn't celebrate it. It was like it was so. And that was like his his two hundredth Premier League goal, and he wasn't able to celebrate it because of all of this VAR bullshit again. Like that's what I'm talking about. About like you know moments just being ruined by it all. And I, was there much talk about VAR around you? Because around me today, the consensus is very much growing that everyone's saying, fuck it off. It's like, this is the first time really where I'm hearing multiple people just saying, we need to burn it off. It's absolutely wrecking football. Yeah, I, I do it's, think there's momentum building with that. There and is. Not just with, with our is. fans, just fans in general. I'm still surprised there aren't more chants about it. Mm. We haven't. I don't think there's been one at all at Liverpool. I, you hear a couple of, te- a couple of teams have done anti-VAR chants on, uh, on the telly, I've heard that. But I, I'm surprised it's not got bigger and bigger because it is. It's just absolutely shit, and the amount of time that they, they they wait. I mean, you know, the other thing as well. Just I know we've already talked about it, but going back to the endo tackle, you know, how long did they spend checking that when it happened yeah. right, literally in front of the referee? I know he stood five yards away looking it, right I at mean, it. And then when you see and the it's Paul Tierney. If there's any and, hint that that's a red card, that red card's coming out. I know. The fact that he I did know. nothing tells you it's fine. It's just, it's just mad. Like it, it is. It's definitely breaking. It's breaking the flow of the game. It's slowing the tempo of the game down. It's absolutely shite. It needs to go. Mm, it does. I it mean, does it's just, it's, you know, Mo. I don't know if he didn't celebrate it because of that. You know, the po- was such a fucking nonchalantly great header as well. That was just... Wasn't it, hey John? The way he almost like, it was like everyone else was panicking and he just stood still. He didn't even move his feet. I know. The ball just landed <laughs> straight on his head and then he nuts it in. It was brilliant. It was like it was a practice game. It was like one yeah. of those. It was so yeah, it was really it was weird. Fucking brilliant header. It, it was. was. Like, wow. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it made, it's like, did he not celebrate it for that? I don't know. Did he think the ball had gone out of play because there's been a few of them lately or whatever? I'm, I'm not too, too he, he sure. He definitely but... thought there's no point celebrating this because it's definitely a VAR check and then who knows what's going to happen. Because he, he celebrated after it was given. But, like, the moment's gone then, hasn't it? And yeah. Yeah. I think as he scored, didn't he? He pointed towards... He pointed towards um, Costas, didn't he? But not, like, as in, you you pass me the ball. More like pointing to the floor where, yeah. the, where the ball might have gone out. And I think he walked over, and I think he's probably said to him, you know, was it in? Was it still in? I don't know. It was a great answer. And it just come at the right time, that goal as well, because Brentford's... We're forcing it slightly at that point, I thought, as well. So it was a perfect time to get the second goal. And, uh, you know, because while it's 1-0, you know, it's still nip and tuck, but just allowed us to breathe. And there was still, what, half hour left after that. And obviously we got a lovely third as well. So it was a comfortable day at the office, even though it didn't feel like a 3-0 game. But that's a sign of a really good side as well. Um, and we've had a lot of them games. Feels like we score three in every home game. If that's something we've scored yeah, more than three. Yeah, it does, three. doesn't it? It does, yeah. Does it feel, it does. I, I think, think we do. The only one I think we haven't was at Everton, was it? Where we scored two. Mm-hmm. But it feels like we score three in every single home game. So, yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, it's like 3-0 or 3-1s mainly. So, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it's just motoring along nicely at the moment, isn't it? It certainly is. Uh, so... Mole makes it 2-0, then we get the Jota goal, uh, then Brentford had another goal then. <laughs> it's, they didn't just give up, did they? It's the 3-0 and, and they were still putting pressure on us, still having a goal. That's it, I mean, how many teams were just like, you know, their heads would go down, but, you know, they kept at it, you know, they forced like, loads of corners. Alisson 
made a save. There was a couple of like little skirmishes. There was yeah. one the back post, I think, as well with someone uh, just missing at the back post. Um, but yeah, it was you know that's what I say. You can't quibble at that three 0 win against society. You, you know they kept going, fair play to them. But another thing I wanted to touch on was Virgil's passion as well. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's in terms of his defensive display, it was outstanding, but some of his passing was just outrageous as well. It's that one, I think it was Virgil, where he, where he dropped it over, it's like a diagonal. And, uh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the second yeah. half. In the second yeah. half. Fucking fantastic. Into the space pass. for most Into of the run on space, It was yeah. unbelievable, ball, that. He just looks absolutely imperious. And he, wasn't he being slightly mm. closed down when he hit it as well, John? He was under a bit of pressure, wasn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. And it was still pin perfect. Yeah. Mm, yeah, but Do you know, I, after, it was after that pass, I had just suddenly had a moment of reflection, and I, I stand by what I've said about we needed, uh, we, we need we need to be signing another left footed defender now, and I don't think Virgil needs pressure on his place at, at the moment. He's playing sensationally well, but we still need the, the next player, a left footed player specifically there. I think. But you know, the thing I, it really occurred to me is it's he is so. I mean that you used it earlier, John, and it's the word that applies. He is so imperious. And that imperiousness, I'd, I, replacing that is going to be almost impossible. Do you know just that sense that he's just, everything's under control, he's in charge, nothing will ruffle him, nothing can unsettle him, no matter what you throw at him, he'll be able to handle it. That is absolutely, that's gold, that is, it's absolute gold. It's rare. And I think it's very rare. Yeah. And that's that, I think, is going to be the thing that's going to be most difficult to replace, that aura. He's got an aura quite unlike. There's very few players I can think of that have had an aura like that. And he definitely has. He definitely has. The greats, the real greats, carry themselves in that way, don't they? And Everyone else knows it as well. I mean, I think we've seen for years how teams that want to come and press, they never press on Virgil's side. You know, when, they, you know, when uh, he picks up the ball, they, they always press when it goes to the other side, but they don't really press Virgil because they just know they're not going to get the ball off him. They know his, his range of passing is so good, his strength, his pace that they're not going to really pressure him. They really um, attack so, down his side as well. That's right, that's right. And I just think that, for me, is is more... The concern is maybe too strong a word. And certainly I'm now much of the view, having seen the, the physical um, re-emergence of him this season, you know, you touched on it before, Dave, the pace is absolutely there, the strength is absolutely there. You're looking at him now and you're thinking, you know, this guy's going to play... He's going he's gonna to play in the Liverpool first team for maybe maybe another five years. Um, but that's not to say that you shouldn't still go and get somebody soonish yeah. who can start to understudy him days off and what have you. But getting somebody who's got that aura, uh, that's almost impossible. Um, yeah, we've got, we got two of them, haven't we, at the back? We've got him and Alisson. You know, Thiago Silva still rocking at 39. Um, you know, Great yeah. player, but doesn't have that. Like, the, doesn't have the attributes Virgil's no. got. Um, doesn't have the physical side, that's right. And that's not a knock on him at all. He's no, been a fantastic player, world class. But that's what I'm saying about it being rare. Like that, you know, just the. Uh, and I think a lot of it's to do with like the physical side of it as well. You know, he's like he's big and imposing, but he's quick and he can play football. It's like it's the total package. Everything, so yeah. you, there's great players, but they've not got that kind of aura. There's only like a very select few who have. And Virgil had lost that, you know, there's no doubt about it. Like last season, that, that aura had gone. It had definitely slipped. Yeah, yeah, it had. And like, the start of this season, 
there was still like question marks. I mean, I had question marks about the captaincy. I wasn't, I wasn't really. Same. I felt like he got it because you couldn't not give it to him, rather than the fact mm-hmm. he deserved it. And all the concerns mm-hmm. I had about Virgil and the captaincy, totally wrong. You know, um, happy to Agreed. take all of that back. It was, it was bollocks. He's proved it totally wrong. He's been brilliant. Um, couldn't ask for any more. And in terms of like his own game. I said, like, it was not long after the Newcastle game, and I remember saying it on the pod, and at the time, it was a bit of a... I wouldn't say it was a hot take, but it, the evidence wasn't really there to support it, and I and I said that at the time. I said, look, I said, there's not really... There's nothing to back this up, but I feel like he's back. And the reason I said it was just because of an interview that he did, and he was talking about, like, how, how good he felt and how well he felt he'd played in games... And I was like, I'm not really noticed that. I didn't think he had a great game at Chelsea on, on the opening day, but Virgil thought he did. And the Newcastle thing, he just put that down to, you know, it, it's one of them things, whereas we're still looking at it in the prism of last year, where you're like, oh, the old Virgil wouldn't have got caught like that. And, but he just said, you know, it, it's like fraction. You know, He's a fraction out. He's caught the player and the ball at the same time. If he catches the ball first, then, it, you know, it's not a red card and that. But he said he felt great, and I don't know. I just thought, yeah, I, I, something made me think now he's back. And then the way he's played since, he is. He's like, would I don't know if I'd say necessarily he's at his absolute best that he was when he, when he first came, but he's he's close to it, and he looks like he's getting closer because well, he's playing playing better test, now. Has he? No, but like I'd say, he, he, he knows looks, it's his absolute peak. He's how would you test. say like he's he, he looks better now than he did like two months ago, and he looked. Really good two months ago, but yeah, agreed. I feel like I mean, the I, last few weeks he's just got stronger and stronger, and even in games when he's not really had much to do, and we've been on top, people have been saying, "Oh, Virgil looked really good today," and it wasn't because he had loads to do or anything, and it's just to do with like little things. It might only be one or two incidents in a game where he does something that just makes you go, "Ah, that's that's the old Virgil," and there was a few of those today. It's not like he had loads of defenders yeah, do you know, to do, but do you know there's a few is? moments. Last season, there was a sense a couple of times where he looked a little bit sort of uncomfortable, a little bit flustered, you know what I mean? That, that sounds, I'm over-egging it slightly using that word, but you know the way everything at his best is just, he just is completely within his comfort zone no matter yeah. who he's playing against. And I think that that had gone, you know, that, that comes back human. to the aura thing, really. That was, he just looked human, where he's always yeah. been like superhuman. yeah. But I think that's what that the aura thing really. I think is that that sense that he's completely at ease and feels in absolute complete command of the situation, no matter who he's up against. Yeah. So you know, you mentioned it before, like chasing down and Wemo, and um, you know that it, there was no sense whatsoever that he was going to lose that in a foot race. But he, his demeanour is his demeanour is screaming the same as well. Yeah. His whole demeanour when he's when he's when he's chasing it down is I've got this. It's absolutely fine. And I think that had slipped, and I that, that's what I feel is back. Plus the fact that the evidence is there as well. He is in complete control. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary, and access to the members-only forum. 
Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, Clark Kent's gone back into the phone box, hasn't he? Where <laughs> yeah, nice analogy. That's right. Yeah, he has, yeah. It is. It's like he's yeah. he's just he's found it. He's discovered his his cape. <laughs> yeah, just hasn't put his undies on over his cacks yet. And you know, <laughs> I, I thought Joel was brilliant today as well. I thought he had an absolutely brilliant game. Uh, we need to talk about the yellow card, <laughs> not not just the decision itself, because I've not seen it back. I'm only basing it on like what I thought at the time. More so, his reaction to it. Which is like it was your typical like the jealous thing ever. Yeah, where like the hands are getting thrown up and down. He's beating the turf with his hands. And he's sort of and he's sort of bending from his waist. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the typical like frustrated jolly reaction. But the reason why I knew that that was like a, an absolute bullshit decision, not just based on what I've seen at the time, but because sometimes you can see it and you, you're looking at it and you're totally wrong how you've seen it, and you you get back home later and you go, oh yeah. You know, that's not what I thought happened at all. But the thing with this one was after we scored the first goal, everyone's like celebrating and Joel's like next to the referee still explaining to him why it wasn't a free kick. And he's like so animated and he's not leaving the referee's side and he's like, he's going on and on. And you can see the arms are up and down and he's pointing back to the incident where it was. And then he's pointing at his leg as if to say like, you know, I played the ball and he's going on. And in the end, Virgil had to go over and just grab him and go, yeah, come on, we've just scored. Let's just let's just get away before you get yourself a second yellow. But it was just that burning sense of injustice that matter fact it was I was watching it, it was just funny. Um but yeah that Paul T and he oh my god fucking hell <sighs> I shouldn't be allowed anywhere near Anfield to be fair. Um absolute tit. Uh, he's not had a terrible game today, you know it's just no, he a, hasn't. That's a true. couple of decisions here and there where you think what are you doing? Um but saying I'm saying he's not had a terrible game but he didn't have any big decisions to make thankfully because that's the thing is like you just don't know with these fellas it's like when they have that big decision to make they'll come down like the wrong way against us and that's the problem with with Tierney but he didn't get to do any of that today because there, there was nothing really other than the endo tackle which as I say if there was anything in that he'd have been the first one to grab the card and um, that was more of a VAR issue than than Tierney because he's not you know he's seen it and he's thought it was fine it's VAR that took five minutes checking it and then Thomas Frank saying that afterwards. That's pissed me off because when managers complain about like bullshit things like that, which they shouldn't be complaining about, it just undermines when managers have got a legitimate complaint. It's the boy who cried wolf, isn't he? Yeah. And like, I said, that's my that was my problem with Arteta like the, the other week. It wasn't that he didn't have a, a reason to be pissed off. It was like he went so strong, and it just made everyone go, "Oh, shut up, you tit!" And it, it undermines like the. The whole argument against like referees and PGMOL. But have you heard what Deserby said today? No. I've seen him that he was having a kick off at the ref <laughs> at the end of the game. His press conference after the game or his interview after the game. And he just said like um he said like eighty percent of referees in England, I don't like them. <laughs> 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 I don't like their behaviour. Join, join the club, mate. <laughs> I was like, 80? Just yeah. the 80? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he just said, I don't like them. I don't like their behaviour. 
Uh, anime, yep. You're not the only one. But I do feel like momentum's building. Fans are getting pissed off with VAR. Managers are all complaining yeah. about referees yeah. and VAR. Yeah. And yeah, um, I think Howard Webb's got his little TV show next week. or Yeah, in the next few days, I think that's coming out. Where Michael Owen will be asking him all like soft questions, where he can talk about how great the the decisions were and what a great process they've gone through. And let's see if they talk about like all the fucking terrible decisions, like the the two Wolves penalties, for example, um, the Arsenal Newcastle goal, or will he just be discussing ones where they've got it right? And Howard Webb doing his like Tory politician thing with his hands and all of that, like and making Makes himself drill, doesn't he? It's it does. I can't watch it. I like I'll see like mm. the odd clip on on Twitter or something, but I can't actually sit and watch the whole thing because it just gets me too too worked up. Um, and why is nobody talking about him? By the way, they're going on about VAR and like this referee and that referee. The focus needs to be on him because things have got much worse on his watch. Yeah. Like it, that's not condoning all like the shit that we're seeing from officials and all that. But the book stops with him. He's he's been brought in to fix that, and he's been brought in, and it's got a lot worse than it was before he was here. And it was bad before Massively he got so. in. It was Massively already so. bad, and now it's like it's just like a crisis point where every single week you've just got everyone kicking off about it. How's he still in a job? He needs to go. But I t- like early on when he first came in, I'm not one to give Hal Webb any credit, but I, th- I thought we might start seeing like a bit of transparency in terms of you know the actual conversations that they're having because I think he was on Monday Night Football, a game last season, and uh, he was showing like various clips of like you, you know the dialogue between the re- on-field referee and VAR. I thought, okay, well, that's a positive step, but there's been nothing since, really, has there, in terms it, of the actual communication? When, when they're only showing you, like, how well it worked. Yeah, yeah, but, I, I you know, I want to know, I I wanna know the, look good. the dialogue when they're making these incredulous decisions in VAR. It's like, you know, it's like, you know they're getting off the hook, basically, aren't they? And, you know, as you say, they, that he's, allow, he's allowing that to happen because it starts right from the top. Um, you know, but early on I thought, oh, if this was like a little positive step forward with stuff like that, you know, I'm all for it, but it's just like not transpired since really. Only the selected ones that they want you to hear. I mean, the one at Spurs, the only reason that ever got the light of day was because we demanded it and everybody had seen how bad it was and they were like, no, no, we need to hear what got said there. How did that happen? So they had no choice but to release that. And we don't know if that was edited in any way. We that don't was know very it. limited as well, yeah, wasn't it? And, well, that's the other thing I was just going to get to. It was so limited. I didn't want to just hear that little conversation. I wanted to know the moment when the referee was told what had happened. Yeah. Because there was conflicting stories about that. Like, it, it looked like a few seconds afterwards when the ball went out to play, you can see the referee's face as he's being told something. And it looks as though he's being told what's happened. And he's like, he's just got like a horror on his face. And then you see him going, okay... Okay, so I think that's when he was told, but we don't know that because they've not told us. And initially, I think it was Sky were reporting that the referee didn't know until half-time. Now, I said at the time, like, if he only just found that out at half-time, how is that second-half performance by that referee even possible where he just gave every decision against us? Human nature makes you go the other way to make, make it up. So now Howard Webb then said when they released the audio, he wasn't told until full-time because he didn't want to impact his Bull performance. Shit. And I'm like, that's I'm just... I'm not having it. But don't we, believe that. I don't believe it either, Paul, but here's the thing. We we can't like know either, either way because they didn't release the audio. 
why yeah. why didn't they they should have released like, the full audio now i don't know whether liverpool got to hear all of it or they only got the same clip that we got access to i don't know but that was not good enough that was not enough footage i wanted to hear a lot more than what we heard so you've got to be wary about that stuff and most of the time it's like they, they just they want you to hear like how it's run smoothly and like this is like the process this is how it works I was like, well, yeah, you might get some right, but what about all the ones where you're just making an absolute fucking balls above it? But you... well, what's it gonna get to though? It's gonna get to like a team where will he ends up walking off the pitch? All that Sheffield United back twenty odd years ago, whatever it was against Arsenal. Um, you, you know, where, where's the breaking point with all this? Because... I think there's a, I think there's there's a way to go with fan protest. I think fan protest will. will... We'll, we'll start to get more and more well, intense. Well, what can fans do, though, Paul? It's got to be players and managers. Well, I suppose, the th- yeah, true. I mean, that's all I'm thinking, though, is, is when it becomes, when you're getting routine, uh, negative chatting about VAR at games, there's no hiding place from it at all, is there? And I know we, we might all feel there's no hiding place right now, but, you know, when, when the whole consensus around the game, in the game and around the game is that it's shit. That's when things will change. Some of the pundits are starting to move, aren't they? Carra did a piece um, in the week, didn't he? Um, and he was all he, for he was it, wasn't he, Carragher? Mm. Say again? Carragher. He was, uh, Carra was all for VAR, but I've seen a tweet he put out there recently anyway, just, uh, you know, basically sort of going the other way with it all now, isn't he? Yeah, so, he was. He, he said in the article he wrote, John, that he wants to... He wants to we should pull back from VAR with any subjective decisions and just use it for the the black and whites. So mm-hmm. the goal line stuff, the Hawkeye offside, if that's any good, and um, just they're cut all, all. They're the already way. doing that, though, aren't they? They're making decisions for the black and whites. Or at least that's what Arteta will tell you, anyway. Using VAR <laughs> to just give decisions to the black and whites. <laughs> Very good. Whether it's not sending off that fucking Gimenez or like giving them goals. It's shit though, isn't it? It's absolutely shit. It just yeah. ruins the game. But the only way it's going to change is players and managers. Fans can't do nothing. I mean, fans aren't going to do anything, but how are you going to coordinate like fans of different teams? Or, like, no, I don't think it'll be like it that. It won't happen because of the build. tribal it'll bollocks. Be, it'll, like, it'll say, for incidents, example, Paul. See? Incidents will start and there'll be chants in the ground. Yeah, but that and doesn't... then the chant will spread and more. I'm, I'm, uh, and more it'll just, you'll just hear it at grounds And no one will give a fuck. No, none of the authorities will give a flying fuck what the fans But I think it'll start to change the wider narrative. You'll get more pundits going the same way. And then it becomes a bit of a, a bandwagon then. And that's when it's hard to resist. It's got to be players and managers for me. Because it, it, imagine if Liverpool fans said, you know what, enough's enough, we need to get rid of this, let's, let's get some sort of coordinated protest against it. The second we get in touch with, like, fucking United or Everton or even Tottenham or any of them, t- they're going to go, fuck off, because the tribalism will no, just I get in the I way. Don't, I don't mean in that way, Dave, I don't mean like know, an organised so, protest. But if That's it's not if it's about. not organised and widespread and involves, like, walkouts or boycotts, it won't do nothing, and that's not possible. You, you, it's just fans are not good. They're not wired like that. But players and managers... Like, I just think it'd be interesting if you went and in, like, every, every Premier League club and they didn't have to go on the record, but you just sounded everyone out, like, players and managers, and said, would you scrap VAR now if you could? And if it comes back and it's, like, 80 90% or something saying, yeah, they should make it happen. 
and it won't just be in this league either. It'll be across Europe because every week there's there's like there's murder. Last week you've got yeah. Aspas destroying Smashing a fucking monitor <laughs> pitch yeah. side, which made me want to bring him <laughs> back. By the way, shit corners or not, I'm like, you know what? No, that lad's got something. Bring him back. <laughs> but like, the, unless players and managers are, are prepared to stand together, they're the ones who've got the power. It's not us. Well, I thought that's what I, I thought that's what Liverpool were alluding to in their in their statements after the uh, after the Spurs day. I thought they'll definitely now be canvassing other clubs in the background, and they'll 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 be doing something through the Premier League, and that just seems to well it just appears like it hasn't happened. But, but managers are that selfish; they're not asked unless something goes against but them. They generally. might be now, John, because it's happened it's to a few of them since, hasn't it? Apart and from Guardiola, they've, they've sp- yeah, part well, which yeah. that's a whole other topic entirely. But you want to touch on like um, before we come off as well, by the way. But no, in terms of like the managers and players, captains, Zoom call, whatever, it just have like just test the water, get a consensus. Look, do we want this? Has it gone too far? Should we get rid of it? Because if they want it gone, they can get it gone by just refusing to play. If like players and managers say at the end of the season, unless you've scrapped it for next season, we're not playing games. What are they going to do? They're going to get rid of it. Of course they are. They've got no choice. But that's a Premier League consensus, though, Dave. Like, what yeah, about the European if, League? But if the Premier League does Champions it, John, or... you start the ball rolling because it won't just be players over here who think that way. They'll be like that in Spain, Germany, whatever. There's problems all over the place. We don't really see it because we don't follow those leagues that closely. But it's not... It, like we, we were talking to, um, to Peter. We asked Peter about Denmark, didn't we? And he's like, no, no, it's shit. I, I was talking to um, Jason, an Australian lad. Said, what, what's like VAR like over down there? And he's like, no, it's, it's shit. Everyone hates it. It's just slightly different down there because it's not like a league table. They have like a playoff system. So it's not affecting whether you finish first and, you know, you're missing out on the title. But it's the same thing. Nobody likes it. It's just causing controversy every week. And I do think the only way you're going to get rid of it is if the players and managers get together and say, we've got to do something about it. Now, whether they will or not, who knows? But I'm just saying fans were pretty much powerless because the tribalism just gets in the way. I, I just think if, I just think fans, if it goes higher up the agenda with fans, it'll spill over to pundits, players, managers. It'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The whole dialogue around the game, everyone will be saying it's got to go. At the moment, everyone's saying it's shit. What you want is everybody saying it's got to go. Mm. But it's like, you know, football's like, you know, it's a human sport. You know, players make mistakes, uh, managers make mistakes, um, good players make mistakes, shit players make mistakes, referees make mistakes. So, you know, it survived hundreds of fucking years without all this, you know. You know so that's part of the, the beauty of it, isn't it? You know, it's a jeopard, jeopard, sport of jeopardy kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, but there's absolutely no excuses for all these subjective mistakes and from VAR itself when they've got all the technology going and you know as the like vested interests in certain aspects of it it's just it's an absolute like joke isn't it it's like mm. you know, I can cope with referees on the pitch having bad games or players have bad games it's just the way it is you know it's gone for the course of history you know Evertonians will always tell you that for instance uh, you know, the amount of times they've been screwed over apparently by you know Liverpool of the years, Clive Thomas and all that malarkey, but uh, it is what it is. You Graham know, Paul, just Mark, Mark Lattenberg. Mark, yeah. <laughs> it was the one yeah. two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I've forgotten who it was now. Was it Cabinet? No, oh, I don't know, but either way, yeah. But this is it. Evan, I've always had the excuse, haven't I? That's, that's what the uh, 
modes of shop around here that club is but um yeah but that that's how it is i you know i was always i'm not one of those who like have a go referees you know indefinitely you know just for the sake of it um you know because at the end of the day there'd be no sport without referees would they no, I know. Well, that's true. But I don't want to get into another big VAR discussion because we've done it to death, haven't we? But just the, the one point that I'd make there, instead of like people focus on, <clears throat> oh, they're getting this decision wrong and they're getting that decision wrong. I've moved way beyond that now. And to me, it's like, even when you're getting it right, it's still shit and it's still ruining the game. And that's why I want it gone. Not because they're getting things wrong. It's because even when you're Stopping getting it right, it's killing the game. It's well, killing that's the like what I said in my chat, I said football has become like a big VAR sandwich. It's like, you know, football's a sandwich. It just tastes of VAR. It's like over-seasoned exactly. with yeah. VAR. It's always the main topic of conversation. Yeah. You know, what we're talking about it now, for instance, it's like, you know, there was nothing really that affected the game today in that sense. You know, it wasn't so was a a tight game that was decided by a VAR call, whatever way it was going to go. But just in general, it's just like wearing everyone down, isn't it? It's just Spot like, on, John. Who the fuck wants a mouthful of VAR? Yeah, otherwise? No, Not exactly. Um, no, if it's hey, a portion of chips, him? if it's a portion <laughs> of chips, then, you know, Dave's just like spitting them out now because they just taste the VAR. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can we talk about um, Lucas Lucas coming back at half time? I thought that was that was Just, quite nice. I didn't see he, that. We, we were underneath. I heard somebody mention that he was he was on the pitch. What? Yeah, but even better, guess who he was bigging up, Dave? Oh, I, I can imagine. Oh boy, the man who's the man who's leading Gremio <laughs> yeah. to a title charge, the first yeah, season back that's what in, he the, said. in the big time. What was it? Nineteen goals, sixteen assists, or something? And uh, I think he's on twenty-three were, goals. Oh, is it? I something like so, well, yeah. whatever, whatever. Got the numbers wrong. But yeah, he was buzzing off playing with Suarez again. Yeah, it's great. Uh, what might what might have been? I know. Hey, but he's going to be in Miami, and me and you can go over, and we can go over and stay with Chris, even though Chris is saying I'm not welcome. <laughs> 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 but um, no, one thing I want to talk about from today, actually, we've not mentioned so far. Um, how do you think Gakpo did in midfield? Uh, quiet, I thought, but tidy when he was on it. I, I, do you know? I still, I, I think with a lot of these players, I'm still, I'm still, I still, mean, even Soberslide to an extent as well. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of got this attitude with him as well. I'm trying today. not to judge mm. any of them really. I, I want to see, I, I want, I want them to, I want them to have time for the game to emerge as the team becomes more finely tuned and they get used to each other's games. I thought he's, he's tidy. He's, he's neat and tidy. I thought he was all right in that position. I don't think he particularly stood out. Um, but again, there was there was nothing where it was uh, there was nothing alarming. There was nothing um, nothing that was concerned. And I thought he did his he did his job in that position. Um, he covered the ground. He pressed when he had to. Gets and receives the ball. Moves it on quickly. Um, well, what did you think? I um, I thought he was okay. No no complaints about him at all. He wasn't brilliant. Yeah. But I thought he was okay. The the only thing I was going to say is I was really surprised that he was picked. And it was only afterwards when Klopp was talking about like Elliot not the being great defending set pieces. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, so that's why he's, he's played him over over Harvey because Harvey probably deserved to be playing. You know, his form's been really good. Absolutely. But, but it does make sense that you, you you've got to be wary about the height and that. So, well, do you um, know on that note, it struck me as well. Was it is it McConnell the kid in, in midfield? You come on in stoppage time. Yeah. yeah. Is it his name McConnell? Yeah. 
So him and also Chambers, both quite tall, aren't they? Chambers good, good. Is, is fairly tall because he, he can play centre back as well as left back. But yeah, I didn't know just McConnell being that. I thought that he was. Tall. I thought he was quite tall. He's not yeah, tiny. He's not like Ben Doak or anything, is he? He's, no, yeah. no. But he just for a kid, I expected him to have less less stature. I just think it's good to see us bringing players through. You've got a bit bit of physicality about them mm. as well as technique and and now Quance. I mean, Quance is big, yeah. isn't he? He was good when Quance he came on at right back. See his boss yeah. little turn that he did. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I really, really like good. him. I think he's. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's surpassed all expectations this season. Quietly impressive, isn't he? Yeah. Quietly just an assurance about him. He's just calm, well. just believes in himself, yeah. doesn't he? Like him yeah. a lot. Yeah. Same. Right, let's let's get on to the Andre thing then, because I think we were fairly convinced he was he was coming in January and that it was a done deal. That was like all the talk. And then the last week or so, there's been little murmurings coming out that Liverpool don't understand where this is all coming from. And... It's not a done deal, and they're not going for him. Like, what the? Why? Why would we not go for him? Blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. I've been banging on about needing more mobility in there for well over a year now, and I just don't understand why. You know, in the summer we're going for Caicedo, uh, and we're going to spend. Uh, I'm, we're going to smash the club transfer record in order to sign this player, and you think, yeah, it ticks. All the boxes. We even did and a we pod talk. on it. We did a whole <laughs> the pod on it. The greatest pod exactly ever, right. and it never, <laughs> never saw right. the light today. Absolutely right. So it's clear that there's an archetype of player that we're going for. Now, Andre isn't quite, isn't exactly the same as Caicedo, but certainly in terms of his capacity to cover the ground and to be and to be somebody who is actually specifically used to playing in that role. He's exactly that. I think what Caicedo gives you is he's good at, he's good at breaking the lines with dribbles. He can dribble out of out of pressure and beat a man and um, and get behind get behind the press in that way. He's quite press resistant. He's also brilliant at retaining the ball. He's like it's like a combination of about three different players really. And when you look at the fee as well and you just think what the fuck's going on? Why not? Now part of me then is trying to rationalize it and I'm thinking all right, well, Thiago's off, so we need to replace him. <clears throat> and it feels like maybe we've already replaced Thiago by being Gravenberch, and, you know, he plays, he's, he's a little bit more front-footed and creative. I know it's not like-for-like, like, but you know what I mean? And we, and we brought Endo in, and they go on about Bajetic, and that, that, is, that is position. But to me, none of those players offer that mobility, that capacity to keep the back door locked. So when we're up against the very, very best teams, you know, look at where we are in the league now, for example. So we're a point behind City with a third of the season gone and we're still developing as a team. So it's quite clear that our ambition should absolutely be to get right back to where we were at our peak under Klopp. We shouldn't be just thinking, let's spend a couple of years bimbling our way back into, into contention. We're already in contention right now. We should be now thinking we want to win the league we want to win the Champions League next season. We want to win the Europa League this season. We want to be winning the biggest trophies. And to do that, you've got to be ambitious. You've got to be going and getting those players. And I don't understand why you'd not be going for this guy. The only caveat in my mind comes back to the homegrown thing. You know, they were hovering, they were looking, they were sniffing around Colwell, weren't they? And um, and obviously that was looks like that was never going to happen. But I think it was the fact that he... Fills a, he, he, fills, he ticks the box in terms of the type of player that we need and the fact that he's English really helps him in terms of the squad composition, in terms of that rule. But that's the only reason I could think why you wouldn't want this guy. You know, he's already, he just won the biggest trophy in South America. 
You know, he's got the pedigree. He's got the lot. Why Why on earth are we moving away from that? I just don't understand it. And also, you could maybe argue that the club are just uh, muddying the waters a little bit and trying to put off other clubs and all the rest of it. But if you know, we, we've already got a dialogue underway with the with the player and his, and, his, and his agent going back to last summer. Then we shouldn't need to do any of that. Just get it done now. I think he's got another three games left and then he's on his, he's on his um, end of season break. We could have it all done and dusted and bring him in in January. It just, to me, it totally blows my mind. Endo, yeah, he's fine. I think you're right what you said about him, Dave. He'll be neat and tidy, he'll be all right. But even even if he was a world beater coming into the team, which he's quite clearly not, he's 30 years old, he's mm-hmm. not the future. This is a team where we're, we're, you know, we're, to, it's, we're building a team for, for now and for the future, so why not go and do that now? I just don't get it. Don't get it at all. It's weird. John, what do you think? Well, I didn't even know anything about that, to be fair, Dave. Um, yeah, the, it's this this week a few of the uh, the local journalists have said, uh, it's more than one of them have said it, so it's obviously come from the club that um, but what the, they don't what understand the where all the talks come from. what they do could be two different things, is that but a did possibility? Did they need to say or? anything? Did they need to even mention it? Like, why, why, why say anything? I don't know. Um, well, as, yeah, I mean, obviously we are crying out for that type of play. I've not seen a minute of the lads, to be fair. I'm just going with what, you know, you lads have told me and others, uh, you know, the type of player he is. Um, so, you know, if we are in contention in January, which it looks like we, you know, we probably will be, you know, that could be like, that type of player could be a massive boost in the second half of the season. So it just doesn't make any sense, you know, the age, the profile he is, etc. Um, you know, it is a bit of a if if we are sort of a couple of points near the top in January, you've got to sort of speculate to accumulate, I suppose, haven't yeah. you? And uh, you know, bring it in. That 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 type of player could be the difference, you know, between us winning the title or coming seconds if we right in the mix which you know you just don't know I mean we've seen the city today um, conceding four goals uh, you know they're, they're not looking as sort of smooth as they have done the scoring goals obviously but you know they look like you can get at them so um, you know they've got a, l- a couple of little flaws as well themselves so you know why not but why, why, it, it be a bit of a disappointment if we if we don't end up signing them. You know, it's not like the Bellingham disappointments at all, but um you know, not and I'll ever top that I don't think. But no. uh, even so it is gonna be like very disappointing if we don't sign him or a player of that ill come January. See I, I just think with, with this one, this is not like fans going, Oh, we really like this player, we should sign him. This is a player that like we tried to sign a few months ago. It's so it's not like there's there's any argument that he won't fit in or this or you know Paul you mentioned the homegrown thing but have we still got one space left? But even if not, Thiago's going anyway, and you, you you're registering a new squad in January, so there's ways around that. You leave Adrian out the squad or whatever, so they they can get around that if that is an issue. But it wasn't an issue back in the summer when we tried to sign him, so. I don't think it's a it's a case of he doesn't fit. He's not the profile of of what we need. Well, if that was the case, why did we go for him a few months ago? And I actually like the fact that he didn't come here because he'd given his word to his club to stay. I think that shows character. That shows like he's the right kind of character that you want at your club. He's not just some knobhead who's gonna like get a better offer and immediately be like, "Yep, yeah, see you later." So I like that. Um, his age, you know. 
exactly the profile of what we go for, like those type of players. So all he ticks all of those boxes. And the only reason why it would be justified to not go for him would be if we've got somebody else lined up. And if we haven't got anybody else lined up, then to not go for him is just, it would be staggering to me. Uh, now, whether that's a case of like, it's a negotiating tactic and we downplay our interest to maybe get the fee down or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, There's there's all kinds of stuff goes on that we never know about. But it, it, is, it is a bit worrying that that's the word that's been coming out this week when up until this week it looked like it was a done deal. Everyone just assumed it was happening. The lad himself was like being talking about it as well, about like how he got an offer from a Premier League club and it was like, you know, he was really tempted but he'd given his word to stay. But like he said he'll stay till the end of the season and then he'll go, which is obviously January. So I don't know. I'd well, be really you just wonder if there's someone him. else sort of pipped us to him if he is going to go well he's been linked with Fulham and we've not been pipped by Fulham like fuck off <laughs> <laughs> like Arsenal have been mentioned as well but like well, they've come into my head actually Arsenal they were the club I was thinking about when I said someone pipped yeah, us they, to him yeah they've been mentioned but Arsenal being linked to that Douglas Louise of Villa who's we've been linked with him as well like in the past so obviously Arsenal are in for that type of player themselves, mm. like we are. So it could there be something in there, you know, the whole agents, I don't know who his representatives are. It's all speculation, but the whole London factor coming in, so who knows? You know, there could well, be anything in it. If he ends up at Arsenal, then that's probably what's happened. If he ends up at Fulham, it's because we've not gone for him. Uh, but as I say, you know, if we've got somebody else, that's fine. But I find that highly unlikely because if... If that if we're signing someone in January, why did we not sign that player last summer? Why would he not have been available last summer but will be in January? That seems unlikely to me. Whereas <clears throat> Andre, there was a reason why he wasn't available in the summer. So unless it's another another player from South America, maybe I, I don't know. But we'll just have to see how that plays out. But it will be disappointing if we don't go for him. And it'll be even more disappointing if he ends up going to Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, because if, if he, we don't sign him and he goes to I don't know Italy or Spain or whatever, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if he ends up at Arsenal, God, that's gonna be like kicking the balls, especially if we're going obviously for the title. They're one of our rivals for the title as well. well. Yeah, we're level on points with them at, at the moment, aren't we? So, well, yeah, we're level with them, and we're a point behind City. Um, you've said there, John, about City looking a bit more like vulnerable. They tend to have some results in, in like the first few months of every season where everyone gets a bit carried away thinking, oh, well, City don't look like themselves. And then like the new year comes and they just reel off like 25 wins on the bounce. and it, So you, you can't rule that out. You know, It's quite possible that that's going to happen again. But I do agree that they don't quite look... like They beat up on the shit teams, but I don't think they look quite what they have done in the past. But um, we've got them next and... I'll be honest, I don't think PGMOL are going to let us win that game. I just, whatever it takes to get City the result, that's what's going to happen. We're not going there and, and winning the game. Even that today, like the penalty that they got. like They get these decisions when the game's in the balance as well. And that's the thing. It's like, you go back to the Manchester derby, the penalty they got in that was an absolute disgrace. That happens in every single game at every single set piece. And it's never given. And yet, the ref doesn't see it. VAR gives the penalty there, and it's nil-nil. Then there's a, a, a another one in the second half, which I, I wouldn't give a pen for that either, but it was a lot more obvious than the first one. And that doesn't get given, because they're already 2-0 up, and they don't need it at that point. Today, they get that penalty at nil-nil, and it's like, that's... 
it's just wrong. It's like, and and it's always them. Yeah. They're always getting these decisions. It's like they're never on the wrong end of these decisions. Even the penalty that got given against them later on, you couldn't not give that. It's like the fucking clearest foul you'll ever see. So it's not as though like it's they've evened it up by you know giving a penalty. Yeah, he, he had no choice. Just he had to foul, give it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you've got to give that. There's no way you can not give it. He was probably fucking gutted, Anthony Taylor, giving that. Now, oh, Dave, uh, Dave, I think I think it's pure coincidence. Just like it's pure coincidence that City's executives and manager all used to work at Barcelona, where they were paying a referee seven million quid. Mm. It's just pure coincidence. There's no way. PGMOL favour City, of course they don't. Yeah, I'm just I've got a tin hat on here, you know, conspiracy theorist, and yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, there's there's nothing to see here. Move along, move along. Yeah, Lord Panic will be on the phone to Dave. Otherwise, City's lawyers will yeah. be on the phone to Dave. <laughs> Watch the, the Michael Oliver will get appointed for that game. Initially, I was thinking it'll be Anthony Taylor, but now I'm thinking no, no, it'll be Michael Oliver, the guy who didn't send off Kovacic. The guy who gave that VAR penalty in the Manchester derby and the guy who was refereeing in United Arab Emirates being paid by City's chairman. So Michael Oliver was the ref who didn't send Kovacic off as well in yeah. uh, the, the VAR, sorry. No, he was, was the ref he on the pitch. And then yeah, he yeah. was the VAR in the Manchester derby that flagged up a, a, a penalty for nothing, nothing penalty. Which the referee yeah. hadn't given. When it was nil nil at the time, nip and suck. And United just, had started started quite well yeah. in the game by all accounts. And, uh, and the yeah. City who don't need any kind of help. Already playing with the loads of deckers it is. Yeah, but they just get these like helping hand decisions all the time from referees who are actually doing side gigs for their their chairman. It's just pissed me off that that game as well. You know, it's, it's the fixture at the moment in English football. I mean. You know, City, Liverpool, you know, the rivalry of the past few years, the Titanic battles for the title that we've we've gone through with them. You know, it's first game after an international break at half twelve because of fucking God's Manchester bullshit. police. Yeah. Busy bastards. I see Klopp was talking about that after the game and it, it was like he didn't know why. He was kind of blaming like the T V people. Yeah, you can't even blame no, it's them. It's a sky game, isn't it? It's yeah, not, it's, it's not, not it's, um, it's purely it's a hundred percent out of Manchester police. they the game was supposed to be like a later kickoff and they were like, No, no, can't have that. But you can have a Manchester Derby at R four. No problem there, like even though that that's ten times worse because you've got like fans of both teams in there. So with us, it's like yeah, you've got the travelling fans who are at the match, but a Manchester Derby, the city centre's full of fans of both teams. You know, so why can they? Why are the Manchester Police saying yeah, yeah, that game can take place as a late kick off, but the Liverpool game's got to be half twelve. It's but bullshit. even that, that's another thing that's gone in City's favour. You know, you, you know, it's not a level playing field. It's like you know, we're gonna have players flying from all over the world. It's our toughest away game of the season. Um, you know, we're gonna have to mix and match the squad. Probably, we'll probably start off dead sluggish like we always do generally after international breaks. Who've, who've um, they got? Who'll be away then? What South Americans they've got? Alvarez, Edison, anyone else? It's not like they're unaffected by it, you know. Klopp said, Klopp said today something about we're, we're, we're they wouldn't play, but they're again, the home team. Yeah. The, you know, they're the, the, that, that makes the big difference to the home it, team. It, but it, it does. It's like you know, we we generally never start well after international no. games. You know, it takes us a while to get going in games. You um, could see us being two 0 down after ten minutes in that game, couldn't you? And then we fight our way back into it and. But yeah, the slow starts after twelve thirty. I mean, it does. It does feel to me like the first 
proper test of this new team. You know, I mean, I you know, I, I think feel like in retrospect, was, and then well, got, in retrospect, you can look back and say we've passed some tests that emerged in the game, but I don't think we were going into that Tottenham game with a sense of trepidation. But as fans, no, but it was but a test. certainly, yeah. But I, I'm talking about a real test of our the It's first versus second. You go into this this un, supposedly unbeatable team, the team that everyone expects can steamroller anybody on the day. And and for me, it's kind of like this. It's a it's a really good benchmark in terms of where we're at. Because I think we've all said we're a bit further on than we expected us to be, and I think you know, I mean, coming away coming away from there with anything is a result for me. So you know, a point would be great. But I just want to see really how the players react in that game against them at that level. You know, will they retreat into themselves? Will they impose themselves? Will it lift some of them up? You know, will Dom be more explosive? He's he's had a few quiet games recently. Will he come back and lift himself for that game? Um, that that's really what I'm finding intriguing about it all. I mean, I think in terms of City being not quite at it, I've not seen a huge amount of them. I've seen some of the some of the results have been wobbly, but I watched that game today, and I think I think it it must have been home games, but I think they I don't think they conceded a goal in the previous like ten home games or something mad, and then four go in today. And what really surprised me about that game today was the. The balance of play was it was kind of ebbing and flowing between both teams. City didn't have any control at all. There was no moments when I was watching that where City were in control. City looked clinical and ruthless at times. They looked like they could cut through Chelsea. But equally, Chelsea were cutting through them. Yeah. Chelsea really wanted it. They were right up for it. And they, were, they, were, they, they cut back through City. And City definitely looked vulnerable at the back. And those are two things that I'm not really used to seeing. But I mean, have you, is that something you have you two seen more of them? Is that something that they've been like this I, season? I don't watch that, them at all. I ignore. That them. was I a shock to, to me to see I, that. I watched a bit of that today. I watched like the last ten minutes, but I normally just avoid them at all costs and just try to pretend they don't exist. Don't don't get me wrong. They weren't shit. They weren't shit by any means. But what really surprised me is well, one the that they conceded control. so many goals, and two the lack of control. Mm. It was it's, it's like so a basketball game, like what I seen. Yeah, which yeah, was, City John, yeah. hate that type of games, don't they? But, yeah. It's very rare City have those kinds of games twice on the spin as well. You, you know, I can't see Guardiola allowing that to happen. Because he sets a stall up for control, won't he? As a, as yeah, a result, I, yeah, you know, especially with them being at home as well, which, I, you know, as well as we've done this season, I'd be surprised, you know, pleasantly surprised with the draw. I'd be absolutely fucking over the moon with the win because if we tip win that, then you're thinking, aye, aye, you know, this All is a, off a then, proper they? title challenge because we'd be top of the league having beat City away and then you're thinking it's a whole new different ball game then, isn't it, in terms of expectations, right? Whereas right now I'm just thinking this team right now is like should be looking to be the best of the rest at the moment. But yes, if he same, turns out and, and beat City, then, you know, your expectation levels go through the roof then, don't they? I'm pretty happy that we probably already are the best of the rest. I'm not 100% certain, but I, I felt like second was there for us this season and I've seen nothing to change my mind. Um, and that's why in some ways, I suppose maybe when I was talking about a test before, it's it's a way of benchmarking for me as well, just how good they are. You know, what what are they able to do? Can they raise the game? It's, it's the emotional thing, it's the pressure thing. You know what I mean? The great Klopp sides for us, were able to cope with the emotional intensity and the pressure going into a game like that and to impose themselves and use that in a positive way. Can this team do the same? Can this, you know, can Darwin go in there and and, and score? 
can all can Darwin go in there and have, Keep have a, cool a, a, a rush yeah. of blood? If yeah, he starts, well, though, a rush of blood to his head. Because you know, coming back from South America, I'm assuming he's, he's in the Uruguay squad. Yeah. Um, he's probably not going to be getting back until. Because the whole international calendar is a bit fucked up, I think as well. Because I remember seeing the last batch of internationals, and I felt like the South American teams were playing after the European teams, and rather. Yeah, I think you're right, John. They did, didn't it, they? Played like like the European teams were playing on like the Thursday and the Monday or the Friday and Tuesday. And the South American teams were playing on the Saturday and the Wednesday or something. So obviously, you know, to finish the game Wednesday, um, probably flying back on the Thursday, getting back in, like, to you know, England on the Friday. It just seems a bit um, off kilter to me, the whole like calendar compared to the European. I mean, the European like nations, that's fine. It's only a couple of hours flying wherever you're at, Portugal, Spain or whatever. Um, you know, where Italy, wherever it is, who knows? But yeah, the the South American calendar seems to be after the um, like the European calendar yeah. in terms of the fixtures. I think. Yeah, I th- the only thing is they've been getting back a day earlier because they've organised like the flight better now. So instead of them coming back and then like they, they show up on Friday and they just have like a a light session. Uh, they're back on Thursday and then they can train properly on the Friday so that makes it a little bit easier the problem that you've got is like the last couple of internationals Darwin's like ran himself into the ground and had to be subbed with like sore muscles or cramp or whatever hopefully you know maybe Uruguay might like I don't know what, where they stand in terms of qualification or whatever but hopefully like, at the top of the group it'd be nice if he, be if he didn't have to away. Play two full games so they might have a home game against mm. I don't know, like I don't Bolivia or someone at home or whatever where they're expected to win. They might uh, it might not be as taxing for them. Hopefully, like it's really it's McAllister and Darwin, isn't it? Because at the moment I don't think Diaz is in the first choice lineup. I'd I'd be picking Jota over him at the moment. Um, so as long as Darwin and McAllister are okay to start, then I think we'll be. It'll be like a full strength team, more or less. Other than don't fancy McAllister playing in the number six against City. By yeah, the but way, do you, would you fancy Endo playing there either? Uh, I, I think it's got to be McAllister. And then you need pace in behind, don't you? You want Virgil and Canate, I think. For yeah, but protection. it depends on on what Canate's status is as well, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, it. it, it I saw somebody tweeting today that basically Canate, Canate Gomez. Curtis, who else was missing? Gravenberch. Gravenberch are all supposed to be back mm. after the international break. So back for City. Yeah. See, I think Curtis, Curtis is big to have Curtis available. Just if keeps Curtis, the ball, doesn't he? It's a big thing. Mm. I'd, I'd love to have Curtis available for that game. Yeah, me too. I, I think he could be important in a game like that. i tell you what's a big worry for me, apart from the referee, whoever it will be, a uh, big worry for me is Doku on the left wing. Yeah. He's playing really well and he's like yeah. dead quick and direct. And yeah. how That's do we deal Canate's... with that with our shape that we're playing at the moment? Oh, I mean, well, you've, you've got to cut off the supply, I suppose. You've got to try and dominate the ball more. But you need pace in the team. But who, who dominates I mean? the ball against City? It doesn't happen, does he? I wouldn't even be surprised if he didn't play, to be honest, Doku. I've got mm. a feeling Grealish might play for them. Why'd you say that, John? I just think going back to the control aspect, you know, Grealish keeps the ball a lot better. He manipulates the ball. He, you know, he's better in possession than Doku. Doku's like, you know, very direct and you know, explosive and that. 
Um, but Doku's got that feel of a player who'll come off the bench for them. Um, if we're chasing the game, I'd be very surprised if he started. I think Grealish might come in for them for that. Um, for uh, going back to the whole control aspect of it, what Guardiola wants. Mm. He's been starting most games recently though, and he's been playing well. So that's that's what I was thinking. But no, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Not at all. He might just go with like the tried and trusted because he's playing against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that game's just um, all I'm asking for is just a, a, a fair shake with the referee. As long as we don't get screwed by the ref, I'll take whatever happens in that game. I just yeah. don't want to come out of that feeling robbed and, and screwed yeah. and like that. The whole thing's just fixed. That's, what a, what a what a low bar that is, eh? Fucking yeah, hell. I know, but that's where we are. That's that's where we're mm-hmm. at, isn't it? Horrendous, isn't it? Um, anything else? Have we covered everything? Anything you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. Nice to see um, Spurs are back down to earth anyway. Oh, yeah. 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 That, 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 uh, that got that Wolves goal, by the way. Uh, goal of the season for me so far. By Unbelievable, John. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dave, honest to God, it's no exaggeration to say. Some, I, I can't see how someone's going to get a better goal this season. Yeah. It was incredible. Is this the first goal or the second? First, first. one. Okay. But the lad who scored at Sarabi, he come on like the eighty-seventh minute, scored, and then he, that was a proper assist for the winner as well as a slide real pass. The Spurs was back forward, and Lamina finished it well into the corner. So you know what an impact he had when he come on. Amazing. Only on for ten Made up for Gary O'Neill as well. Really yeah, like good guy. Yeah, good manager. Yeah. Doing well, isn't he? About. Every time I see Wolves, I'm really impressed with them. You know the intensity they play at. You know they play with a good spirit. Um, you know again they caught us after an international break. We were lucky to be only one down at half time. I remember we recovered well in the second half, but we were one 0 yeah. down. He missed a shit at that. Who's the striker they've got? Who, who looks like Cunha? He's gonna be amazing, but he's he a never really scored. good player, isn't he? But he just yeah. doesn't score. Just doesn't score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see um, that clip of of Gary O'Neill talking in the dressing room afterwards? It was on Twitter today. No, not seen it. I don't know how come, but it was some. I don't know who filmed it. It seemed like quite high production values. I don't know if it was for some sort of TV thing or whatever. I think it was on TNT's account. Don't anyway. But it was just quite impressive, really. He's quite a. He's not softly spoken, but he's not like a, an absolute tub thumper in terms of how he speaks. But he's really impassioned in what he said. He's he just said to them after the game, and they were all like, you know, they were on tenter hooks, all of them. They were all like hanging on his every word. He just said that level was something else. He said that that was better than what I could deliver as a player. He said that your effort, yeah, I could manage that, but the quality, I didn't have that quality. And uh, you've now set yourselves a new benchmark. You've now set yourselves a level that I want to see every week. And they, they were impressive, weren't they? They you beat City particularly... He looks like one of my good mates. He's got a resemblance of a little name check here for my good mate, Dave Hanson. So uh, if you're listening, Dave, that's for you, mate. No, Dave looks like if Gary O'Neill and Ryan Babble had a baby. <laughs> with a bit of Gareth Southgate mixed in oh you you no, shafted him there Dave for the last Gary bit O'Neill. Gary <laughs> sorry, O'Neill. Dave. sorry Dave I know you'll be listening sorry mate um, yeah well, another another uh, little pleasant uh, thing going on is uh, Newcastle as well you know 
Oh yeah, uh, you know, not bad fans um, having a go yesterday. Entitled wankers. Absolutely. Yeah. I with mean, the fans in the in the ground afterwards yeah. as well. Trippier, and it's like Trippier you know what did they expect? Fans. I mean, they've had like where they were two years ago. And this, I used to have a lot of time for Newcastle fans. You know, in the 90s, they come up from you know back into the uh, the top flight after so long away, and it's like they appreciated being back in the big time. And, uh, you know, then they had the amazing spell under Keegan where they played some phenomenal football, you know, exciting attacking football and that didn't win the league. And then as the 90s went on, you know, become really entitled, spoiled little bastards, you know, they handed Dag Leach out the job. Um, well, you know, well, Kenny was up there for a year or so. You know, and then obviously they got Rude Gullet or Hully, however you want to say. And then, yeah, Bobby Robson did well for them, but they just had that whole as you said they have the sense of entitlement about them based on very little you know being the loyalist football fans in the world one club city you know you know it's like no and then you know considering where they were two years ago you know they've been an incredible like little journey so far back in the Ch- champions league after 20 odd years or whatever um you know and they've got injuries galore and the moments like Get over yourself. You chose to go to Bournemouth at half five on a Saturday night. No, those players gave the best in that game as well. By the way, yeah, it wasn't they did. So it was like a, you know, throwing managers under the bus. They just haven't got the squad to deal with the intensity of playing, you know, two games a week because it's such such a new experience to them. Yeah, I, I mean. It should be said it was just like a handful of knobheads. It's not like the whole yeah, end with but it, yeah. off. I'm any any little chance to have a go at Newcastle yeah, fans. I'm all for it. But I do feel like this is the, maybe the start of it. And if if results don't pick up for them, which they might not, because they're not dealing with the two games a week. They've got loads of injuries. It's totally understandable what's happening with them. I I thought they'd get beat by Bournemouth because of all of that. So there's the, it's not like. This is, they've got no right to expect better than what they're getting. And maybe some of them don't see it that way. And that's why like, Kieran Trippier was like, was, was so pissed off and, and rightly so. Um, but something to keep an eye on there. That might be the start of something where like their fans start to get a bit agitated thinking they should be doing better than they are. Yeah, I mean, that's... it's funny because like, like they're below United and they, United, what is it, John? Seven points off the top. Seven points, yeah. That genuinely <laughs> shocks me. I've seen the league table before. How has that happened? I was like, because what the hell? So it feels shit. like they lose every week. And I, I genuinely thought they were like 12th or 13th. And he was like, what? Seven points off the top. How's that happen? Even when they win, they lose. Because yeah. like they win and everyone's gutted about it. They're all complaining about how shit it was and they've only won by one goal and that. And if even People the wins lose. feel like defeats and yet there they are, just somehow like seven points off the top. It's absolutely mental. Do you know another one, boys? I mean, if maybe it's the start of something at Newcastle, do you think um it's the end of something at Everton? Do you think Dyche has made them um safe, even even allowing for the points? Oh, yeah, they're production. definitely safe. The three newly promoted teams are so bad, they're safe no matter what. Um, he has turned them round, hasn't he? Yeah, He's they, definitely turned them round. They're, they're doing okay, yeah. At um, a level. You know, I'm not yeah. saying the world beaters. You know, they're but still, uh, still going to be bottom half regardless. They're not that, circling the drain now, they, are they? They've got the perfect manager for, for where they are where and, they what, are, and yeah, what they yeah. need. He's perfect for that. He's not, he's, Sean Dyche is never going to do anything like, He's never going to be challenging for anything. He just simplifies the game for, yeah. for for the type of players that they've got, doesn't he? He's good at he what he does. does. Yeah. Every every manager's got like their own attributes, 
And I would not knock somebody like Dice or even Allardyce back in the day. Like they're not top managers who could manage a top team, but some of the top managers who were like challenging for trophies couldn't go and survive at the bottom. You know, it's a sp- it's a specific skill set that you need, and Dice is really good at what he does. It's and not he pretty. never panics, does he? Dice, no, never, like his whole demeanor is always the same. Because he's it? been like, there so many times, yeah. and it's like you're expected to lose games at the bottom. So when you lose, because the fussy's so fucking boring that his face will never change. There's not mm. an ounce of excitement in it for him. But you're not going to panic when you get beat because you're used to getting beat. But all the other teams at the bottom are getting beat all the time as well. You only need to win a few to get out of it. So he's he's a specialist at what he does. He's the perfect manager for them in the situation that they're in. Um, and I don't even think a points deduction w- would make any difference. Yeah, their, their biggest problem is going to be if they get found guilty, not the points deduction, it's going to be getting fucking sued. The money. Yeah. That that's And then that might lead to you know um, bankruptcy and a further points deduction. So they're not out is of the it, woods by any means. Is it that bad, is it, with them, yeah? Could be, yeah. I mean, they've had to borrow money from them, that like that the company who's buying them. They've borrowed money from them for running costs. So if that well, falls did you see through, that, they owe them money, don't they? Did you see that piece Philip O'Claire was uh, was was no. tweeting about this week? So they've lost. They're very very shady. That seven seven seven. But they reckon they've lost two hundred million quid in the last year as an organ as a company. They're just it's it's so so fucking shady. All of that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not convinced that sale isn't going to go through. I don't think. Oh, 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 um, will that be so because the Premier next, League will it Paul? Do you think? Or say again, John. Sorry. The Premier League have got to like ratify it though, haven't they? Yeah, I so, don't think they will. Yeah, I don't. I, they um, won't be able to. They won't be able to um, provide evidence that they're financially secure enough and stable enough to um, to take on the ownership. So if it doesn't go through, Everton owe them sixty million quid. I think because they've borrowed yeah. money off them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a not a good situation, not at all. Deary me, deary me. This is where I need to play the only fools and horses clip that I'm always tweeting out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad That's news, bad news, isn't, isn't it? Tragic. <laughs> <Strategic. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, I think that we should finish on that note. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. Uh, we might be back in the international break just with like some kind of just a, you know, a, a random fun podcast. Can't promise anything. Um, it depends. If we do, we'll probably do some um, questions and answers from the listeners. So maybe we'll do that. If not, we'll be back after the City game. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you soon. best word I can say but uh, we'll describe this was boom (laughs) 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 what was this it was really good